Hello, and welcome back to Boundless Body Radio. I am your host, Casey Ruff, and we are here with another amazing guest that I would like to introduce to you today. TJ Eisenhart is an American former pro cyclist. He has raced all over the world, including in Europe, uh, which is a huge deal. I just have to say to the listener, like if you are a cyclist and you can make it to Europe, that is a very big deal. He won the under 23 national time trial in 2014 and has had many other incredible results all over the world. Among other things, TJ is an artist, an entrepreneur, hosts a great podcast, one of my favorites, and runs a gravel racing team called Imaginary Collective. He is a husband and father and lives in Ivins, Utah. His message of love, positivity, and creation is super inspirational. It's somebody who I've followed for a very long time, and I'm so happy to have on the show today, TJ Eisenhower. Welcome to the show. Hey, wow. I mean, I think you just basically summed up the show right there. I appreciate <laughs> that. That was, that, was... I even... It was funny uh, hearing everything and, you know, like uh, 2014 national champion. And I mean, I don't even, rem- you know, I try, uh, I don't know, I don't pay much attention to that anymore. Huh. Um, I uh, I just don't, I don't like posting photos, uh, like when they're old. I don't like, you know, when they cut like throwback photos of it, like, oh man, here's me in my national champion skin suit when I was 23. So cool. Uh, just because I feel like, the best part of life is living now and being in the present moment. And I'm not the same person that I was then, you know, yeah, I accomplished that, but I'm, that's the point of it is you accomplish it and realize there's another goal set for you. You know, it's the goal is not to be national champion anymore. So it's kind of funny, uh, hearing that and you're just like, Oh yeah. I did do that. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Cause I don't go ahead. I don't have any trophies out or, I don't have any jerseys hanging up or uh, those are, I think, at my parents' place and, you know, yeah, just in boxes. Cause again, I just seems weird. Like I'm not, that's not who I am now. That's who I was. And I think a lot of times we can get so caught up with who we were, you know, sure. like people, you know, I can just constantly go around and be, oh, yeah, I was this cyclist who, race for BMC and lived in Europe and was national TT. And it's like, it doesn't matter now. Yeah, You true. know, I'm, it's not going to affect my, my daughter doesn't care, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> she just cares if I'm hanging out with her right now, that's, you know, I'm playing with her. That's a really great point. I love that. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, but I'm going to take you back even further. You and I actually raced yeah. together. Um, there was a bit of a difference though. Um, when you and I were racing together, I was, 25 and I was with my people like that was about as far (laughs) as I was going to make it. And you, I think were like four years old. You may have been on a tricycle at the time. I'm not sure, but you were still kicking everybody's ass, including mine. And you could tell this was not where you were going to stay. You were going to fly through that group and you were going to advance um, much further. So before we talk a little bit about that, I want to know, in your opinion, what is so special about a bicycle? Why, why is a bicycle not rollerblades or something different? Like, why do you, why does everybody remember their first bike ride? And why, why is a bike so special? Uh, it, it's just freedom. That's the, I think everyone can kind of agree upon that. Um, even people who aren't, you know, big avid cyclists or anything anymore, or, you know, or don't even ride a bike anymore, but they can always seem to remember their first kind of bike ride or at least first incident with a bike ride 
Uh, and I think that just all has to do with your first opportunity of freedom, your first, you know, mom and dad let you go. And all of a sudden you're, you, you, you can go to your friend's house down the street. You can go to the, I don't know, little, little area to go play. It's just, it gives you your first taste of freedom. And, uh, yeah, it's super special. I think it's, I think especially during this year, we're seeing how crucial it is just to kind of be outside and have that feeling of freedom and just fresh air. Uh, so I think that's why we remember it so much is, uh, just such a young age. It's our first taste of, all right, I, my first taste of independence, my first taste of freedom. And, um, yeah. And for me, I, I remember it super clearly, you know, I was my dad, I remember letting me go and, uh, yeah. And then it just would develop after that where, uh, I would travel to my brother's, you know, mountain bike, uh, races and ride my little bike around and, so you're kind of exposed to that atmosphere, but it really didn't kind of take full throttle till, uh, I was eight years old and, uh, I was, my brother was in Spain. He was serving an LDS mission at the time over there. And we went over to, he had finished and we went over to like go visit and pick him up. And as we were over there, we were able to watch the Tour de France go through the Pyrenees. And this was in 2001. Oh and man, my, no way. Yeah, so it was <sighs> the height of Lance, the height of Postal. Uh, that would have been his third tour. And uh, so, I mean, my brother, he was exposed to cycling when he was over there and just fell in love with it. And so when my dad and when we all went over there, they bought a, they both bought bikes. Uh, my dad bought an old Peugeot. My brother bought an old Moser. And they're just fantastic bikes, but... <laughs> Um, and then they brought them back over to the States, which was cool. But yeah, that we were super blown away. I just remember, I don't remember much detail of the tour just cause you're a kid. I just remember the atmosphere of the crowd, uh, the colors, the, this vibe, this energy, uh, you can't really explain unless you've been there. I mean, most big sporting events are kind of similar to that, but cycling is just something special where you can just jump in your car. I mean, we were driving from point A to point B to cash different spots. And, uh, yeah, my family was hooked from that point every year when we, the tour was on, we just were watching it. Well, you made a good point there. Um, with like, if I'm a baseball fan, like I can go to the game, like I can buy a ticket to the game and that's cool, but I can't run up to the mound and be like, yo, you should throw a spitball right now. Or I can't go hang out on the, on the third baseline and tell the guy to, you know, slide when he comes into third, you, you, but you can do that. It's like, you get real close. Yeah. I mean, that's again, the beauty of the sport is it's, it's connectedness with its fans and, uh, your ability to, see the pure i mean you're super you're right in their face that you know the rider's face and you're seeing their pain their suffering uh and it's crazy because as a rider most of the time it everyone's blanked out you know you're so focused and you're you, you don't really pay much attention to the fans or see much but the fans get a chance to kind of basically be in your world for a bit and yeah like i said it's you can go see them anywhere, you know, find these different spots to go watch the race, go pass. Mm, That's so cool. So describe to the listener what it's truly like to race a bicycle, because I think people see mostly just the tour and they understand 
kind of what it's about and they know there's an overall winner of the tour. And, and so it seems like this big blob of cyclists that are riding around miles and miles and don't really see the intricacies, intricacies of the sport. Can you kind of describe what it's like to actually be racing a bicycle, like a road bike? Yeah. Uh, it's super complex. So I really don't, uh, it doesn't bother me when a lot of people don't understand the sport because it's a very complex sport. Uh, you know, someone will win, but he's not the overall winner. And that confuses a lot of people. Uh, so it's just about, but what it's like racing in it is, uh, you're just part of this big, almost like big moving circus. It kind of feels like, like when I would do tour and I did tour of California and you just, you, and all those other races, you just go from hotel to hotel, town to town. And you're part of this big atmosphere and this energy and the buses pull up and it's super, super exciting. And, uh, when you're in the race, uh, you're surrounded by, you know, most likely 200 other guys, you know, barely separated by a couple inches from their handlebars, you know, maybe an inch or two. And, but again, you're not focused on those small details because you feel that kind of energy as a whole and you're all focused on what's coming next on the road uh so the communication in the peloton is pretty incredible especially since it's so uh there's so many different languages in the peloton where uh yeah it's it's really an awesome experience it's fast it's uh super scary at times your adrenaline gets shot up, but I love that section when you'd be about, you know, 10 kilometers coming into the finish and the it's just getting faster and you can feel the energy just builds, 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 and the momentum's going faster and the riders are pushing faster and you're fighting a lot more. I mean, people, it's crazy. Like you're bouncing off each other. Your, you know, elbows are constantly hitting and from the outside, it looks like it's super dangerous or, that someone's being super aggressive, but honestly, the riders are so in control that that's just touching. Like you're just touching to help balance each other off, you know, because you realize like, Oh, this guy is leaning on me right now. Cause if he's not, he's going to crash us. You know what I mean? And so you really get this, your cool instincts and you get comfortable with it and you get comfortable with the speed and you get comfortable with that atmosphere uh, whereas most people they'll never experience anything like it. Cause yeah, like you will never have like 200 people around you at that same skill level pushing, going around these bends or anything. It's really incredible. So 10 kilometers to go, you've got 200 dudes who are the best of the best of the best at their sport. They're going what, I mean, what, 35, 40 miles an hour bumping yeah, each other, I mean, elbow bumping, leaning on each other. Like that's, that's insane. Yeah, it's, it's super, it gets super sketchy and super dangerous. Uh, but again, your adrenaline, your body, I, I feel like you just turn off your mind and you let your, but you stop thinking about it. Cause the more you think about it, the more you start thinking about the consequences or, oh, if I do this, this, this rather is if you, if you just do it, just let your body and mind just kind of coexist. And it's a great way of meditation, but it's you know, your adrenaline spiked, but yet you have to calm it down and you have to, you know, it's all these different things that are really 
really awesome, really fun. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a different side of the sport. So, so okay. So for the listener, you you see a podium at the end of a race, okay? And there's one guy at the top, and he's wearing a black and red jersey. And you see mm-hmm. maybe afterwards that other people are wearing a black and red jersey also. So they're teammates. They're, they're racing for the same team. But it's also an individual sport. One person will be the winner. And these other guys, they're your teammates. So, so explain a little bit of what, what the purpose of having teammates is in an individual sport like cycling. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest issue with the sport. Uh, the teammates aren't truly rewarded for the guy's win. Uh, I mean, there'll be some guys or some team. I mean, some people are treated pretty good, but, uh, most of the time, if the guy who won the race, he's more likely to sign the bigger contract at the end of the year, rather than the guy who helped him win the race. And, uh, I mean, if you look at any other sport in the Olympics, only one guy in cycling gets the gold medal. Well, is what in the, in the other sport, the whole team gets the medal, you know, even the people who basically sat on the bench for the basketball team, you know? And so it's like, why is, why, why are the everyone, why is not everyone getting the same medal when they go across the line, you know, but, uh, so it, in that fashion, it isn't super individual sport where, you know, the guy who wins, uh, yeah, he's going to be signing the bigger contracts. He's going to be, you know, making all that. Uh, and it's kind of up to him whether he's a cool guy and sees how much his team helped him to do things. Um, but the funny thing is, is it's this irony where he couldn't win without his team. So it is a team sport in that sense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, only one guy can cross the line first, but, you know, there's drafting involved. There's, you know, riders feeding his leader, you know, bringing water bottles up, bringing food up uh, just to allow you to kind of sit in and save your energy. But, uh, yeah, it's just a super complex situation with, team sport or an individual sport you know and uh i kind of view it definitely as more of an individual sport even though teammates help those riders win which is like i said super i i almost like hypocritical or iron you know it's just very a weird situation but like i said that rider who won is going to be the one who's signing you know the deals and then if you're the guy who helps him win and you're at the end of the year, well, you're like, well, I did all this work. I did this. They're going to always say, well, where's your, where's your results? What, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, it's not always, like I said, not hundred percent always like that, but I would say like 70% to 80% wow. more like that. Wow. Interesting. So, okay. So for the listener, let, let's just, let's just take, um, let's take an event. Let's take a stage race. So a stage race means you race, one day and you do that maybe for a week and and every single day is a different stage in that particular race so inside of this one week long race there's several different races going on so take us inside a team bus let's say it's the third stage and let's say you know you, you you're sitting in this bus and you're with other cyclists that are all fantastic and amazing but they all have different talents and gifts can you can you describe how you decide what is going to happen during that race, how you decide tactics or make a plan? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the race. So you have to look at the race and be like, all right, this race is going to be a flatter race. This race has more mountains. This race is maybe a more punchy style. This race is more 
you know, it, it all depends on that, you know? So in a stage race, you could have days where it's flat or it's hilly or, uh, but, uh, and, but yeah, so it really, in that bus, it depends on the type of day. So if it was like a flat day, then we'd be working for a sprinter. You know, if it was a mountain day, you'd be working for your, your hill climb guy or your GC guy, you know? When, when you say working, you, you mean working, like, like you're describing drafting. Yeah. 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 You just be, I mean, positioning him, uh, getting him to the front of the climb at, you know, at the bottom of the climb, uh, in front of, you know, kind of everyone. And yeah, you, you being in front, because when you're in front, you're, you know, you're, when you're behind the person, I think it's like 30% less energy or, uh, but yeah, so you get a big draft and you're able to save your energy, which then allows you to do a little bit more at the end and give a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, for a guy working for a rider, yeah, it's pretty nice sometimes cause you just do your job and then you kind of pull off and, uh, you know, save you as much energy as you can and then do it again the next day. Wow. We talked to uh, pro mountain biker, Chris Kelly, um, and he told us, you know, racing mountain bikes, you basically just put your head down and go suffer for a few hours and it, that, that's just it. But, but one of the things we talked about is yeah. that the different speeds in mountain biking mean that drafting doesn't make that big of a difference. And in road cycling, it's yeah. everything. When, when the person yeah. in front of you pulls away from you, when they're going faster than you and you can't keep up and that, that the, the person you're following, the wheel it goes away and you can't stick with it, you are done. Like you're gone. Yeah, no, I definitely drafting is major, uh, for road cycling, just cause the speeds are higher. Uh, I mean, like you said, when you're doing 30, 35 miles per hour, that's a massive, that's your, that's a massive, you know, ball of energy going along that speed. So if you can sit behind that, you're going to be able to save some energy, you know, and basically coast, I mean, on downhills or, uh, a lot of times you can save a lot of energy. Uh, and that would be a, the biggest thing is if you're a GC guy, it'd be all about, all right, what days do I need to, you know, use my energy on? Uh, so if those days were near the end of the week, then the first few days of the race were just about not crashing, not losing time and literally trying to go as easy as you possibly could. So just like trying to sit, like, I mean, I remember what at tour of Utah, sometimes, sometimes you just be glued eyeing your computer, trying to get your average power lower and lower and lower, you know, try coasting or here or coast here. And just, to, you know, just ta- thinking about the days ahead and how much energy you're going to have to expel then. So, uh, it's a chess game. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that if they're just like a casual observer. In fact, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I had a client that I was training at the gym, um, and he was boy, like 78 years old. Um, and we would do our workouts and he would see like every July, I would get a bit distracted during our sessions. We, we trained at 9am and that's about when a tour stage would finish and we had the TVs on and I would just kind of casually check and see what the result was and how things were going. And he would look up at the TV and he's like, what, what are you looking at? It's just a 
big group of cyclists riding around. And I started to point out some things like, well, it's a group, but like try to follow one jersey and see how much movement there is and see this is what a lead out looks like. And this is a sprint versus a mountain day. And and <laughs> he started to ask more and more questions. And it got to the point he became so fascinated by it that in the summertime in July – for three weeks, I would have to completely redesign his program to only train him on machines that were in front of the TV so he could watch along with it. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Once That's you, awesome. Isn't that funny? It's, it's once you understand like what? how much complexity there is, it's, it's crazy. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Once. Yeah. I mean, same thing. Once people get out and you know, they'll be like, Oh, you rode your bike for four hours. But I mean, they're used to just riding their bike. Like, their chill city bike or, you know, uh, around the block, you know, but it's like, once you push your body and get it up to that level, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable how, like I said, just the bike's great. And so, uh, I think everyone who, once they see the sport or start to kind of understand it, they, you see that a lot, they get hooked. Mm, yeah. It's so true. Tell us about the worst wreck you've ever been in. Oh man. I don't know. I haven't had think think thankfully I haven't ever been in uh that was one thing I felt like I was really good at was avoiding uh big carnage. And, you, you never uh, had a major wreck? Uh not really. Wow. No. I mean, I never broke a bone. Uh Wow. I mean, I never I've had bad road rash. Of course you get bad road rash, but nothing where you know, people were like, oh, I was out for a while or I mean, I, I could tell you stories of teammates where they've hit bottles and like flew over and, you know, knocked out and haven't woken up till they were in the hospital or, you know, all these other like people almost cutting a leg off from a guardrail or like a deer jumping out in front of them and breaking their back. But luckily for me, I, I, I take it pretty easy when I'm out training. I don't ever push the downhills because that's when most people do crash is on the downhills and out in training because it's stupid. People try ripping down these descents, but it's like, they don't, they're not pro races. They're the, the course isn't closed. There's a difference between racing fast in a race and racing fast on an open road. And no, no cars, the, the road is yeah. clear. Yeah. And the race, you can take all the right appropriate lines and hit all the apex and, uh, you can do it, you know, and, but, uh, out in training, I was always pretty careful. Like I said, I've, I've had, I've seen bad crashes at training camps. I've, uh, I've gotten hit by a golf cart, but Whoa. like I said, nothing ever crazy. Uh, I mean, even I've gotten hit by a car, but that wasn't even that bad, you know? And so like, thankfully I haven't had ever a real bad, uh, crash. I, I did a lot of snowboarding when I was young and skateboarding and I think, I don't know, you kind of learn a little bit how to roll or crash because like I said, I've never seemed to break a lot of things luckily. Uh, and yeah, mostly just would end up with like road rash. Wow. So that is very lucky. And, and I'm, I'm super, uh, I'm, I'm a super balanced. So I have really good balance. Uh, I do yoga all the time. And so I think when I would crash, my body could absorb that impact a little bit more. Mm. But, 
yeah, that's, that's why I truly believe people need to do other things than just ride the bike. You know, you need mm-hmm. to keep that mental focus. You need to keep that. Cause it's crazy when there's, I mean, there's, that was one thing that you would love is when you would kind of somehow maneuver out of a crash or there was a crash about to happen and the riders would react so well. And so you could just, you're bunny hopping or I don't know, there were just all these crazy things and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I made it out of that. Uh, but yeah, luckily for, luckily for me, I never had any bad crashes. Wow. Good for you. Wow. Lucky, lucky, lucky. That's crazy. Yeah. We had a listener question that wanted to ask about training subjectively versus objectively. So cycling is a sport very much about data. VO2 max, Wattage is a measure of power. That's kind of the the king measurement in all of cycling is how much power are you doing? Um, there's, there's ways that you can collect data that help you train, but there's also the subjectiveness of how you feel. How, how are your legs one day? You could do all the numbers, but not feel great, or you could be sick or you could, you know, have strong days or weak days or whatever. How, how difficult was it to balance the objectiveness of the data versus the subjectiveness of how you felt? Uh, that's, that's definitely the hardest part. Um, because that's just pure communication between you and your coach, you know, and you have to make sure you have a good coach where you can really communicate that stuff. But it's super hard as a young athlete because you're, you're just wanting to be unstoppable and you're wanting to push through constantly. And so a lot of times you would try, I would try to ignore my body's, uh, signs, or if I felt good, uh, one day I would do a little bit more. And, uh, that's, that's just a sign of kind of the ego. And like I said, a young athlete wanting to do more and that would kind of burn me sometimes where, uh, like I said, then the next day I would be too tired and like, you know, you could do the power, but, uh, you just were too tired. Uh, and that was just from not, you know, true. I mean, I would listen to my coaches and that's hard, hard part. It's not like I wouldn't listen to my coaches at all. I was always, I was like one of the best, but it's being a young athlete. It's so easy to always, like I said, just ignore signs of how you're feeling, you know, because it's easy. I would just be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's yeah. I felt incredible. And I would be good. I would be good. And, but I would just push myself until I would hit like a complete, you know, drop and be like, Oh my, wake up that day. And I'll just be done, you know? And I'll be like, Oh man. Uh, but that's just all. And it, and it would get better. Like my final year that I, or like 27, 2017 and 2018, like those were my kind of final years I was doing it with a coach and a high end coach. I was working with Bobby Julik and I mean, me and him were crushing it. I mean, he's super numbers oriented and at that point, I was like, all right, I'm not going to worry about the numbers. I'll let him worry about the numbers. I'll focus on more myself. And that's definitely when I had my, you know, most success those two years and had was doing my best power and best everything. And But like I said, any athlete, it's hard always balancing. That takes a lot of, you know, meditation, I feel like, helps to help with that, you know, realizing, okay, no. I need to heal more on my inside or my mental side, because a lot of times, you know, you could give a rider this number to hit or this workout to hit, but sometimes they have other things going on in their lives. You know, 
And when you have other things going on in your lives, it affects your, your, your riding, your performance, you know, and you might not as a young rider, you might not think it is, but it is, you know, if you have stress going on or you are nervous about this or this, like that adds up into your, you know, because sometimes I feel like I would be almost too nervous at failing to do the intervals that when I would do, then it was just like, you, you already failed at doing the interval. You know what I mean? Mm. So then when you would go to do the first one, you mentally had already kind of psyched yourself out, you know, where, uh, yeah. You, instead of just being calm, cool, present, uh, like I said, I'm a lot better at doing that now where I just focus on what I'm doing now rather than, Oh man, I have this 20 minute interval coming up in, you know, 30, uh, an hour or, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just all about listening to your body and having a good coach and mm. relaying that info. I I'm, I've been coaching this guy and, uh, that's the biggest thing I tell him is just, I need to know everything you need to know what's your, are you going away on Thanksgiving? Are you going to bring your bike? Are you going to do this? Like that? What, Cause it does no good for a coach to write a program for you to just then not do it. You know what I mean? And not there, there's no growth there. You and the coach need to be talking every single day. When I was at my very top, like I said, I was talking to Bobby and messaging constantly. And it's, that's because I just know communication is what makes something go forward, Mm. you know? And if you're just messaging all the time and talking all the time, then you can start to be a lot more open. Like, Hey man, I'm not feeling that great today. Hey man, I'm feeling a little mentally off. Hey man, I'm what, you know, what about this interval? You know, so it's, you're able to communicate more and, you know, uh, yeah. And it's hard with the numbers too, because you could go out to do an interval and do, uh, you, you, you know, you know that, Oh, I could easily do it at 280, you know, no problem. And you go out to try to do it. And that day you're flat, you know, you're just like, you could barely do, you know, 180. And then that mentally just kind of really shakes you. And that just, again, sometimes the power and the body need to, you need to realize like, all right, I just don't have it today. Turn the power off. Just Mm. chill, you know? Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty complex. It's a great answer. You mentioned Bobby, (laughs) Bobby Julek. He's a wonderful coach to have. That's a pretty big name. Um, I think, so like if the, NBA schedule gets released. We know where the Lakers are going to be playing. We know that LeBron is probably going to play in every single game and he's probably going to score 30 points. He'll have some off nights and not really perform every game the same, but you can reasonably expect that he's going to be there. He's going to perform well in every game. And then that's pretty much it. Now with cycling, I don't think people realize like you sit down with your coach at the beginning of the year this team has already mapped out which riders are going to be at which races, which ones they're going to target, which ones they're going to try to set you up for the win, you know, your A race, your B race. But those are so difficult and so intense that you can't just show up to every single race and race it like you're going to win. There's other races that you have to do where you're working for your teammates, or maybe you need to take a recovery, or maybe you wreck and you get hurt for two months and the team has to readjust. Or 2020, like look at 2020, they still did racing, but they had to readjust everything. It's just, it's so different than other sports, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Other sports, I always kind of say are more skill oriented, where it's like, 
you, you, I feel like once you just get this skill, you can just keep practicing it, practicing it, practicing it. You know, you, you can just keep going to the batting cages, batting cages, batting cages, you know, keep throwing pitches, keep throwing, like you build or cycling. It's so you literally, that's why I said you have to have such good communication with your coach and team and directors. Cause everything is thrown. Cycling is down to like the half percentage to beat the next person. And not even that, like the nano, like everything is now so hard. You know, every rider is training six hours, you know? So it's like, you got to find then the other small things. And if those, if there's things interrupting that, like that's why a lot of times teams now will do these big uh, training camps and altitude camps and take riders for three weeks at a time and do this camp, this camp, because they can control the environment. They can control their stress, like, you know, for the most part and take them out of like, oh, they need to go shopping. They need this, this, like all these things kind of add up. And uh, also, you know, cyclists aren't even paid close to the same wage as any of the close to those other sports. So you can't, you know, there's things you still have to do kind of other things, you know, to get stuff done. It's not like you can, uh, yeah. So it's, it's, and a lot of times, like I said, you're gone for, you know, it's funny hearing the NBA players complaining about being away from their families for like a month or two. And you're just like, Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that's not it. You're gone for months constantly as an athlete, you know, sure. or as a, as a cyclist, you know, you're gone weeks constantly, you're gone months constantly racing. I mean, I think most of those riders who race in the schedules this year, uh, yeah, they didn't race at all at the beginning because there was nothing. But then once all the races hit at the end, they were on the road for like two months. And I was like, it's not even a question for a cyclist, you know, because wow. that's just that's the sport. You yeah. know, that's why I didn't want to do that anymore because I didn't want to live in Europe anymore. I didn't want to uh, fly. I didn't want to be in Europe for four months or three months because I have a family now. Like I knew I was having a family like I wanted to base my life off, you know. Yeah. So hmm. it was just, it's a, it's a super com complex compared to other sports where, uh, yeah, you can have a lot more, I feel like to take care of you, uh, rather than, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's also interesting too, if we're still talking about the NBA, like the Lakers again, Lakers were here in 2020, they were here in 2019, they were here in 2018. They've been here for many, many years. And will continue reasonably to be a team for many, many years. But but in cycling, you don't race for the Lakers or the Detroit Lions. You race for BMC or Sky or some of these big companies that put millions of dollars to sponsor the team. And then they may or may not even be around next year. So it, it it's constant pressure, isn't or in it? In the middle of the season or in the middle of the season. I mean, that's that's another super flawed thing about the sport is how we don't have team structure. It's more of, you know, again, just a sponsored structure where, you know, you don't even know a team, uh, honest, a uh, sponsor could pull out at any moment. If all of a sudden something negative were to happen to a team, you know, say someone were to be positive for doping or I don't know the sponsor just was like, no, I'm out of here. Wow. They could do that. So, I mean, there was an, you know, there has been instances where a team has signed me for two years saying they had a sponsor the next year when they didn't. And then all of a sudden your paycheck gets cut in half because 
they they are the ones who lost their sponsor or didn't even have a sponsor. And like, wow. it's just every year we keep all these pro teams. I don't get it. I don't get why the same pattern gets keep you know the same recipe keeps getting put out there. Everyone keeps doing the same thing and. Mm-hmm. Every year we wonder why it fails. Like literally this has been since I got into cycling. Wow. Everyone's been talking about this since I was eight years old. You know, oh man, this team folded. Oh, this team's coming into the sport. Oh, this sponsor's coming in. And it's like, why don't, why is there not, how come we haven't set it up in a NBA fashion or, sure. uh, you know, some way like that. And uh, I mean, that's why, again, I started Imaginary Collective and, uh, started my own company and was just like, Hey, if anybody's going to be controlling my paycheck and controlling, talking to sponsors, it's going to be me. Mm, Like I'm not, I, why? Cause I was like, when that happened, you know, and all of a sudden my paycheck got cut in half and I had performed, you know, it was like, well, what's, what's the point of this then? What, what is the point of me riding and racing and getting these results if then my team can, even though I have a two year deal, can cut that in half at their choosing, wow. you know? And it was like, there, I was complaining about it and so negative that I was like, nah, like I'm tired of complaining. Like, like I said, I, I just want the person who's in charge of my destiny to be me. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, if I don't want to go home to my wife and be like, oh yeah, uh, so this sponsor or whatever, uh, they lost their money. So they're not paying me. It's like, no, like if someone, you know, I can go out and do it myself now. It's like, Oh, sponsor drops with me. Then, okay. I go look for an, I go find a new one. You know, it's not like I let someone else control that, you know? And I think that's a lesson. A lot of people just need to learn, take control of their own destiny and realize, you know, the issue is I was so naive early on in my career and so trusting, you know, and, it was so funny. BMC every year, they would be like, oh yeah, we're going to sign you up. We're going to sign you up. We're going to like, since the first year I signed with them, they told me they were going to sign me world tour, you know, and you're talking to these guys and you're trusting all these guys. And you're, like I said, as I look back now, I'm just like, I should have been focusing on me. I should have been focusing on like, you know, I shouldn't have, I was giving too much of my destiny to others. I was allowing too, uh, too many people to control who I was, you know, where then it was like, Oh, there's five different, 10 different people controlling me. And, uh, it's not going anywhere, you know? So it's like, now I'm finally doing my own thing. Now I can choose, you know, what I want to do. I mean, what I want to work on, who I want to work with, uh, you know, and that was crazy important to me because I mean, there was bike sponsors and bike companies that I didn't want to work with you know, and, or we were writing components or wheels or this. And it was like, I don't, what I want to go ride. If I want to be paid to ride my bike, I want to be paid to ride my dream bike, my best, like the thing I envision, you know, mm-hmm. like, honestly, I could drop dead in the middle of this conversation. You could drop dead. Like we could die at any moment. Like the world is so uncertain. Like life is so uncertain. We never know. And so for me, it was just like knowing that why waste our time, like I said, doing what others are telling us to do, doing what someone, you know, calls pro cycling, you know, doing something. It's like, no, there's not one way of, of riding a bike. There's not one person. There's not one style of a professional 
bike rider or team or, and you know, business, it's like in today's world, you realize you can create anything. So why would I not, you know, why would I sit around, go do a desk job, go, or just go even race, like race for a team that is controlling my image is controlling my, like, it was crazy. I would go out, get sponsors and teams would be like fearful because I would be getting too big, you know, fearful that it was like, Oh man, this guy, he picked up these sponsors. We don't have those. You know, I remember one time, uh, when I first signed with my watch company live and I have my own collection with them. So my own personal color collection, uh, they crush it. They're out of Miami killer watches, all handmade, beautiful. Uh, and so I signed this deal with this watch company and this team I was with was like, Hey, well, what if we would have had a watch sponsor? And I was like, what if there's your, there's your issue. You're using the word. What if, what if I had a million dollars and I wasn't racing for you right now? Yeah. Go get a spot, go get a watch sponsor. But it was crazy because it would, it was just, I was being punished for succeeding. I was being looked at as a liability for pushing the boundary of the sport. There's so many things now that pro cyclists are doing and teams are doing that I started, you know, and it got me kind of pushed out of the sport because of my personality and my, I feel like wildness. But for me, it was like, I just, I couldn't go with that normal day to day oh, we do this training camp, we do this race. I mean, for me, it was like, we're doing the same races every year. What, what's, what is, I was, I was been doing the same races then, you know, for five years in a row. And I was just like, what's the point? Like, what's challenging me? You know, I'm doing the same thing every year. And it was just for me, like I said, I needed more. I needed so much more than just waking up and training, waking up and racing, waking up and training, waking up and racing. My mind, you know, I think you can hear from this, this talking that it's, it's so busy and complex and colorful. And, uh, I'm always thinking of, you know, new things and new ideas and new creations and that, you know, where it, I mean, it was like last night, I was just drawing up extra architecture designs, you know, I was drawing up like house, like for me, cycling never stopped just racing and uh, training. I needed so much more. And, uh, I started realizing that near the end of my career where I was doing these things. And like I said, the teams were looking at it more as like, Oh no, like this is not good. He's getting too big or too much. And, you know, again, they're, they'd be worried about, Oh man, he's wasting too much energy on this project or he shouldn't be at this photo shoot doing this or, but it was crazy because I saw super early on how important social media was. I saw how important content was. I saw how important all that was. And it was so funny. I remember so many teams would give me, you know, just, Oh, you don't need to do like, just, they would make fun of social media. They would put, and it's like, I mean, now that's the reason I have a job. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's crazy. Like going into next year, after a pandemic year, a year that you should have been, they, everyone, you know, could have used the excuse like, Oh, it's COVID like uh, this, this, this happened. It was like, I saw it from the beginning. Like, no, this is an opportunity. This is a crazy big opportunity because 
And it's kind of like Lance would always say, if it was raining, he would get excited because he knew 90% of his rivals were already giving up. Yep. And so for me, when I saw this year, right from March, you know, after two weeks, like the first two weeks after it hit, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a good opportunity. Like yep. it just allowed 100%. me to really chisel in what am i trying to do in my life what am i trying to do with my company what am i trying to do with imaginary collective what are we trying to create what is the image we're trying to push what is the vibe we're trying to you know do and even for myself it was like so many people were so upset with the world's issues but they weren't looking at their own you know it's like i we have so many inner problems and we can't change the world until we change our inner problems you know what i mean it's like we we're so and for me it's about compassion like you should feel compassion for like the negativity and uh you know the sadness that's going on in the world but you shouldn't let it control you and that's the issue with the news and so many people nowadays they see it on the news and it's instantly like anxiety and stress about oh my gosh that's crazy that's happening here or here in Europe, or this is happening here in Asia, or this is happening here in LA, you know, but it's like, wait, why don't you turn that thing off? Yeah, it's have compassion for what's going on in the world. But why don't you look around what's going on in your own community? What's what's negative about your community that you could go help and make better? Because what's negative about yourself that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be eating this thing, or maybe you should be going exercising more, or uh, maybe you should meditate more. For me, I was dealing with a lot, you know, more anxiety and kind of stress and, you know, you're trying to figure things out. And I really turned inward and, uh, picked up, uh, Wim Hof, uh, breathing. Awesome. So I Great do content. about, yeah, I do about 30 minutes, you know, try to do 30 minutes to an hour of Wim Hof every day and try to focus on like yesterday I went to the cold, to the lake and the water was, you know, probably 40 degrees, maybe 37 and a God in it, you know, and you sit in it and you breathe and you control that anxiety because that's the point is to allow that stress and anxiety overwhelm your body and realize, Oh, I'm the one controlling that. Like I can, that's me creating that stress, you know? And for me, that's just been so crucial is like, how can I help others if I'm not, you know, if I'm not help, if I don't help myself, you know, that's kind of hypocritical of yourself to be like, Oh yeah, you should do this, do this. And sadly, a lot of us will turn to medication, you know, we're like, Oh man, this is happening. This is happening. You know? And for me, it was like, no, we can all fix everything through a healthy lifestyle. And like I said, once you start doing a lot of this, you know, meditation and, uh, breath work, you truly do realize that we are the alchemist. And when you realize you're the alchemist, you control your destiny. You control what you do constantly. You know, it helps you like you start setting these goals while you're doing, you know, uh, you'll premeditate on something or you'll pre I'll premeditate on like, Oh, I want to create a painting this week, or I want to sell a painting this week, or I want to train like this, or I want to, you know, love my family even deeper. I want to love my neighbor even deeper. I want to love, the, you know, a stranger even deeper and you'll set these and you'll be, then you'll find like uh, the universe or the world or 
all of a sudden opportunities will pop up that you were premeditating on and you're that's when you realize wow i am the alchemist and it sounds crazy to just sit there and breathe and go deep in your mind and to ponder upon what you want in this life and what you want out of it and then for it to come true but it does and it does in ways that you never expected as well you know because uh you could be like oh i want to do i want to do this or i want to have more kindness and an opportunity will arise maybe that tests you to push more kindness you know what i mean like maybe so yeah it's it's i just think a lot of times like i said we're so focused on what someone is doing you know what's happening over here what's this person doing oh this person shouldn't be doing that this person shouldn't be doing this or when it's like honestly none of us are perfect like we're all really messed up we're all like you know but that's what makes us so beautiful and so unique and you know to be able to see that and to be able to see that as your vulnerability and your insecurities then you can really build upon that you know because you can be like wow I have this fear of this. Okay. I need to strengthen that or I need to work on this. And, uh, yeah, for me, I, I try, I try spreading as much love as I can without sounding like a preacher or something like that, because I, I just need to do it for myself. You know, I need to give more, you know, it's not like I'm perfect and I'm always happy every day and I'm always, you know, loving to everything and every moment. The fact is that I realized that and it makes me want to be it more and more, you know, so it's, it pushes you to be slowly better and appreciate more every day, you know, and you're always going to have, like I said, those hard days or days where you feel like, oh man, I can't make it through this or this is so difficult. And like, like I said, it'll be one day where I'm sky high and living my best life. And the next day I wake up and it feels like you're crashed against the rock you know and you're just like what and but you realize that's just another day like and you realize those are negative when negative emotions do arise that they're 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 just that negative emotions like you realize you can control that and you're like oh actually i don't want this in my life like i don't want this negativity to bother me right now oh man i don't want this that person's bad driving to upset me right now or you know what i mean you can control it dude i that that's amazing. <laughs> All of that was incredible. And I just have to say, like, I'm sitting in front of my podcaster. Um, I'm sitting in front of kits that have my company's name on them, the company that my wife and I started this year, because we did the same thing. We knew that something needed to change. Things were not going to mm-hmm. go back to normal. And we decided to go out and create something new. And it, you're right. Like you, nothing limits you. You don't have to make it perfect, but go out and do something, go create something, go make something yours. And it's, that's the American dream, man. That's right. It's awesome. That's the American dream. Like when I, so when I left pro, let's see, I knew I was going to leave, uh, pro cycling at the beginning of 2019. Um, and like in January, it was funny. I was reaching out to some sponsors and they laughed at me thinking, I was joking. Like, they're like, no, you're going to do another tour of Utah and sign again and be fun and like race and race. We know TJ you're too. And I'm like, no, no, no. like it's different. Like I had just gotten married. We had just found out my daughter, my wife was pregnant, you know, with our daughter on the way. And so to me, it was all about, again, I had just this hit of like, why do I want to be in Europe when my family's here? 
Like, how can I find a way to use all my talents and skills that I've developed over the years to create my own business and livelihood to then be able to stay at home every day and be with my daughter to be able to be the dad, you know, for her and a great dad and be with my wife more and allow me to not have to travel as much and allow me to control my traveling schedule. And like I said, to be more the alchemist of my own. And it was great. Like this year, this was the year where it's like, there were so many opportunities to quit. There were so many times where it could have been like, no man, you know what? It's too difficult. It's not working out. It's not working out. But now moving into next year, we're going to have five times our budget that we had last year. Amazing. And that's from all of our sponsors seeing the value that we put in this year, seeing all the content I put, I posted every single day. I kept, you know, I knew that was, you know, and again, this is my job. So I got to create it. I, and the sponsors, everyone, my partners, they all saw that they all saw that, Oh, the value and they upped it, you know, and it's pretty incredible going into next year, realizing I'll literally be with my dream, everything, the dream bike company, the dream helmet, like everyone I've always wanted to work with. And that's the beauty is I'm working with them. They're not just sponsoring me. I don't like that at all. Like, I don't like it when they're like, Oh, when you, a team is like, all right, we need this, this, this. And then doesn't talk to this, talk to them till the end of next year to ask them for another upgrade, you know? And it's like, you didn't do anything with your, that's, that's the thing is none of these cycling teams are doing anything with their sponsors. So I'm always trying to do something with them. And always when I approach a sponsor, whenever we talk to someone, we're always, how can we create together? What can we grow? How can we create an imaginary collection with this company or, and then create this and sell this and make part of this. We're always thinking outside the box always and always wanting to work like i said have a partnership rather than a sponsorship because i'd way rather create something and be part of that you know legacy than just getting free stuff because that was not the that was not the goal like because it's like i said it's not it wasn't the point of leaving pro cycling to then just go after more sponsors every year for more money and just barely get by every year and keep asking sponsors for money it was like no how can i when I'm dead, have set up this cool enterprise, basically this big, uh, you know, big thing where my daughter could then take over this section or this section. You know what I mean? Like you're leaving a legacy. You're leaving something that's tangible rather than just, oh, your dad was a sponsored professional cyclist for a few years. Like, no, when I'm dead, I'm going to, she'll have imaginary collective to look at and everything that it, has branched out to be, you know? Uh, and that was the thing is looking not just one year down the line, but a hundred years down the line, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, you know, and figuring out how I can create that. Um, and it was really inspiring because as I was doing that this year, you know, I believe anyone can do this. I believe anyone can fi- figure out what they love, what they're passionate about and become, you know, successful at it enough to make a living. And, you know, not everyone's going to be rich. You know, I'm not driving around in a Lamborghini or like, but I get to wake up, plan my schedule every day. Most likely my schedule is either me riding or me painting, you know, and hanging with my daughter. And it's like I said, I make the money, the most money I want to make. 
you know, I do what I want to do. And that's the beauty is I've talked to so many people who make all this money. And the funny thing is they always say basically the same thing is like, don't because the more you chase money, it comes. And then so does the work. So does more of that load. So does more of that, you know, that freedom that you had before is taken away and it's for what? So I can live in a bigger home so I can buy a more expensive car to then stress out about paying that payment. So I can then, you know what I mean? It's like, why would I not just be happy with what I have and, you know, maybe invest the money in other ways, you know, and do this or, but I think anyone can do this because that was the goal was not just for, to set up a plan for me, but to set out, set up an escape plan for my wife as well. So she could leave that day-to-day boring job life, you know, because it kills you, you know, it's, and it's hard when you're living your dream and your partner's coming home every day, just exhausted from, you know, the grind, the day in and day out of grind. And I mean, she, she, uh, my wife, we, we worked really hard and she, was crazy. She just basically dove headfirst into yoga this year and loved it, fell in love with it where she was doing like three hours every day. And then, uh, this fall she did teacher training program. Whereas now she's, te- she's teaching up at Cliff Rose hotel design national park, uh, hotel. Uh, and so it's cool. like I said, as long as you're passionate about it and you set a plan you can follow your dreams and that's, yeah, it is super cool. You know, following your dreams and doing your passion is super cool. Like I said, it's not getting a fat paycheck is not super cool. Doing what you love to do is super cool. I've talked to so many, it's so funny when you talk to kids and they're like, Oh man, you're like, what, what do you want to do? What, what are you going to college for? And they're like, yeah, to become a this, this, this. And I'm like, well, why? Oh, cause it pays really well. And you're like, all right good luck, man. Like what, what, what do you have to leave behind when you're dead? What do you have to leave behind when this world is, you know, for me, that's all, that's what it's all about. That legacy and looking at it bigger and following your passions and being true to yourself. Because like I said, we're here for such a short time. And I think we see it every day, you know, we'll have people uh, you know, leave us and you see it and it's like, well, okay, I need to enjoy life more. I need to love more. I need to, you know, take care of my body more. You know, I I think it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, people that, why hasn't the government or anybody else said, Hey, you know what, wear the mask, but also let's, let's do a mandate of exercise 30 minutes every day. Let's do a mandate of everyone drinks a green smoothie every day. Let's do a mandate. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're looking, we're looking at fixing this thing with a bandaid, a mask, like a ma- like you focus on your body, focus on right, your mental health, like that. Once you truly have that, then you're, you can get through anything, you know, your body and mind. I mean, you see what, and it's not even me just talking and people will be like, oh man, that's not true. This healthy person, that person got sick, this person, no, go watch Wim Hof. He literally, there's a YouTube videos, everything where, uh, you know, scientists, uh, inject E. coli into his body and through breathing, through breath work, through meditation, he is able to not get sick by it, was able to heal himself from it in that study. It's a proven scientific study. 
And then they thought, oh man, maybe this guy, he's just special. No, he said, nobody's special like that. You can teach this. He went out and trained in five days, five other people, and they did the exact same thing. And so, like I said, we're looking, if we would just all look at how to truly heal our own bodies through meditation, eating more vegetables, eating, you know, going on a walk, you know, like I said, it's, I don't expect everyone to become health gurus and nuts, but you know, when this person's expecting to, you know, survive this coronavirus with their mask and then they pull off their mask to smoke their cigarette, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's so hypocritical. You know what I mean? And so it's like, we need to change more about us and our health. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think this has exposed <laughs> so many different issues we have in our society that, that need to be taken care of, have needed to be taken care of for a very long time. Um, so yeah, I think I totally agree with you. Tell us a little bit about yeah. your business. Yeah. So imaginary collective, you know, like I said, it's not just strictly a gravel racing team. Uh, we're more focused on partnering with our sponsors. So yeah, we go to these events, but we're focused on more content based, creating this content, creating this merchandise, uh, and it's more this, 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 uh, this is this, uh, aesthetic, uh, this look, I'm this image I'm trying to push and, uh, it will take, I know it'll take a few years. It's going to take, but it's kind of, for me, like I said, I need to leave pro cycling because I view everything as art. And so when you do that, you can see like, okay, this is, like, this is only the first layer of the painting. You know, this is the first year of the team. This is the first year of the company. This is what, and like, you can see when you, you can be more patient with it and you can realize, okay, you're on the course you need to be on. And you can realize, all right, not everyone's going to see the vision right away. Like usually nobody sees my vision when I first started painting. They only understand it when I finish, you know, mm -hmm. and not even then do they understand it. And so it's all about, for me, and it's crazy because luckily I've shared my vision with these partners that I will have for 2021. And it's incredible. The fact that, you know, a lot of them came to me because they saw the, they saw it, they, they got it. They got the vibe. They got that. Oh man, TJ is trying to create something different here. He's trying to do something really unique. And they've given me and Andrew, my business partner, so much freedom and so much trust. And so, I mean, this year when I saw, you know, no racing was going to happen. All right, no problem. Uh, I contacted all our sponsors and was like, Hey, send me envy, send me some bars, send me some rims. Hey, Kogel, send me these. Hey, you know, Pirelli, let's do this. Hey factor, send me a bike to paint, painted all this cool product, created all this cool content, constantly pushing content out there. And yeah, I was able to give my sponsors and partners actually things for this year. That was awesome. That was really cool that nobody else, you know, while their other sponsored riders were at home complaining about no races, you know, that's so cool. Um, on that note, I actually have a quote for you. Uh, this is from September 28th of this year. <clears throat> I'm an artist in everything I do. I'm crazy. I'm wild. My brain is like being at an amusement park mixed with a space center about to take flight to Mars. New ideas are constantly flushing my mind to push more or find something new. I hate being stagnant. 
I hate having people tell me this is how it should be done or, or here's how you do it. I'm not a sheep. I'm not afraid to fail, to get fired or not make money. If I fail, I fail. You move on. Most people won't see your vision. That's the point. That's what makes it unique in yours. It's about building a group around you to create the impossible. I did this with imaginary mm-hmm. collective and there's a hashtag create your life. Yeah. 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 Powerful. Dude. Yeah. That's I mean, really powerful. I appreciate it, man. That's, I can't, I mean, you said it, that's, I said it there, you know, and that's what it's about is to, you know, I, it's crazy how many times I would say my vision or ideas of it. And it wasn't super clear at the beginning. And so many people, I mean, I, so many people said no, so many people said no. And like I said, you slowly, you don't, you don't, you know, and some people were like, some companies were like, well, would you do this, 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 or could we, you know, and there were some companies offering all this money and all this money. And you're like, but then I would lose my image more. And you guys would expect me maybe to be more like this rather than this. And it would expect me to wear this. And, you know, they, again, I wasn't able to totally clarify the vision at the beginning. And even then a lot of them would have said no anyway. And it's funny now I've said it so much and I keep pushing these crazy ideas on all these our sponsors and our partners and the fact that they come back and always say, we get it. All right. We're working on it. You know, going into next year, we'll have a new bike sponsor and, uh, we'll have a new, uh, clothing sponsor and it's incredible. You know, the bike sponsors, a sponsor that they came to us because they loved our vision so much. And I wasn't even looking to have a new sponsor, but cause I was so happy with factor, but it was one of your, those dream companies where you're like, wow, it's an opportunity. They truly see what I'm trying to create. They truly do. And you're allowed to do it. It, uh, I mean, they, uh, this company, they were going to bring us on to their like factory racing team, but instead they allowed us to just keep our pure name, you know, because they knew we were about more creating and wow. that, you know, and same thing with this clothing company. It's great. Like I'll be out on these, these rides and I'll have an idea for a new article of clothing. Like uh, that's the thing about me. I'm thinking all the time, like clothing design, house design, candle wax. I mean, I can, I mean, can design a candle design it, you know, it's for me, I look at everything as how can I make it mine or how could I do it better? And for me, I'll, now I have, I can trust these partners and sponsors where I can, I was having this conversation the other day, I can, you know, send them the drawing, I can send them my ideas and they believe in it and do it. They don't question it. They're not like, Oh, why don't we try this printed off or this, this it's like, no, they're, they see it. They see that. I mean, this clothing company, he kind of said it, this guy said it best the other day in our meeting, he was like, you know, sometimes you got to break the rules to, you know, actually create something different. And that's what I'm trying to show is nothing has actually been created yet in cycle. Like it's all, it's all the same. You know, there's no, they're, uh, riding road cycling clothing in gravel. They're riding road cycling clothing and mountain bike. Most of the time they're, you know what I mean? It's, there's not, there's not a whole full on fashion difference. And I really see that. And I, it's really great to have these ideas and yeah, just really allow yourself to be expressive. And it makes you feel, uh, makes you feel less crazy. I feel like 
because then you do have those people who see it and understand what you're trying to do uh, rather than kind of that old cycling mentality of, oh, no, this is not, you know, cycling, you should be wearing this jersey or this. And it's like, that's not how I see it's it here. anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah. And says, like I said, says who? I mean, my, like you, as a kid, I would never, I would just jump on my bike, you know? And most of the time I would try, Matt, you know, you're trying to look cool with your sneakers, your pants and your bike, you know what I mean? You just jump on when you feel cool. You don't want to like, be like, oh, I got to wear, you know, we got so caught up with just black and white shoes. We got so caught up with stripped down bikes where we're so focused on the power to weight. And I mean, I think that's great for the professional riders when they're race, when they're being paid to worry about that. But why should an average Joe be riding the full on stripped down bike that weighs 12 pounds to climb their hill this, you know, 30 seconds faster when they're really 10 minutes slower than the pro on just a normal, you know what I mean? Like it's, why should we be looking at that? Why wouldn't we be looking at like, Oh man, that jacket's so cool. I like that. You know, or it's to me, we've gotten a lot of, yeah, just so caught up with the normal. And I, I love, like I said, who I work with now and how I can present these truly insane ideas i mean ideas of you know where you're like oh we, we yeah just insane ideas and them actually listening and going on with it because honestly most of them won't happen that's the point is like 90 to 99 percent of your ideas won't go into effect but that one percent does and that one percent is the one like i said it helps you weed out maybe thing oh you're like oh maybe that wasn't as great or this this it helps you work with others to then we get the absolute best out of what you're trying to do. You know, that one, one thing. So, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty remarkable. We normally have set questions that we ask people to close out the show and I am going to, uh, pivot and ask you one final question. You have had a successful racing career. You have started a business. You do a great podcast. You've got a family. You've, you're out creating life. When you look back on everything that you've done, you've been able to do, and you can answer this however you like. It can be a, a certain race you did. It could be a time in your life, whatever. What are you the most proud of? Man. That's so crazy. What am I most proud of? I mean, the first thing you think of is your family, obviously, but obviously that's, you know, you're maybe that doesn't kind of answer that question. You know, you're grateful to have your family. You're grateful to be your daughter's father. You're grateful to be your, uh, husband, you, your wife's husband. Uh, but what am I most probably this year, honestly, pushing myself more with meditation and pushing myself more, you know, this year I've done something so different than in my absolute past. You know, I, I literally, I changed my DNA structure because I was doing cycling so long, you know, I was from 10 years old to, you know, now 27. So, you know, after you do, do an exercise, like workout for 10 years like that, you start to change your DNA like structure like that. And so like for years, you're just so used to being so, uh, 
you know, uh, stimulated by going out on all these six hour rides or all riding, waking up, riding, waking up, riding, waking up, riding. And there was never, like I said, really anything challenging besides just the races or training. And for me now it was kind of like stepping into reality this year, you know, leaving that sports world and leaving the, cause you're such a baby in the sports world. Everything's taken care of for you. Everything, not even kidding, everything. Uh, so then when you step out, you know, and I was, a, I loved it because it was by choice to do, to be there more for my daughter, to be there more for my wife. And I think that's what I'm most proud of is kind of realizing I could have continued down cycling and professional cycling, but it wasn't, it wouldn't be as happy as I am now with my wife and daughter, you know, like it wouldn't be as, and so I think that's what I'm most proud of is just realizing when to kind of step away and yeah, (laughs) step away from that. And actually, uh, you know, and then obviously proud of this year where you just, there's so many obstacles every day every day there was a new obstacle, you know, and, uh, whether that just be learning to be a better dad, husband, business, sport, art, uh, every day there was something where I felt like, oh man, some type of struggle or some type of obstacle, whether it be massive or not. And yet we still got through it, you know? And, uh, like I said, there were so many opportunities to call it quits this year, you know, to be like, oh, I'm not going to do this business. I'm just going to, find another like real job or something. And like, uh, I never quit, you know, and I never will quit because like I said, in that post, there's no, what's the point? Like you can, you can create the next thing you want to do. It's just about doing it. And once you learn that, you know, especially after this year, I realized like, you know, imaginary collective, if it were to fail tomorrow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Like, yeah, it'd be a bummer, but it wouldn't matter. Like I could start something new the next day, you know, and I could start, I could paint something new. I could do like, that's the beauty is you just realize you were, we're not as, you know, programmed as we think like, oh man, if I were to lose this job, my life would be over. Or if I were to lose this, my life would be over or this. I mean, it's crazy talking to uh, a friend and he lives out in Santa Cruz. And when I talk to him, he's now worried about his house getting, you know, pushed away from the rains because of all the fires they had. It's creating all those, it could create all those mudslides and stuff and really destroy a lot of houses. And, you know, here I am at the my house thinking I had a difficult day or something. And then I'm talking to him on the phone and he's worried about, you know, his house going away, but then he wasn't even worried. He was like, this is just where, this is now my situation. This is just what I am living in right now, you know? And, it makes you open up and realize like, again, like, okay, life is about the struggle. We all have different struggles. It doesn't make anyone's bigger or less. And it's just about realizing, okay, I can get through this. No problem. I love that. That's such a great answer. TJ, this has been one of my favorite conversations to have. Um, Yeah, it's been way fun, man. It's been amazing. I appreciate it. There's, There's a way that you can go out and do what you want and create things and provide for people and provide value and but there's also a way to do it with kindness and love and positivity. And you are such an amazing example of that for all of us. And I think most importantly for your family. And so I'm, I'm just super grateful for your time today. And I'm really grateful for your attitude and all your content. Where can people go to find you? 
Yeah, thank you. No, I love being on the show and uh, it, it was super great having this conversation and I hope people, you know, can take a lot out of it. I know there was a lot and, you know, I probably bounced a lot around a lot, but, you know, I try to always just express myself the best I can. Uh, but yeah, you can go give me a follow on Instagram, uh, just at TJ Eisenhart. Uh, also on Instagram, you could give our team brand a follow, Imaginary Collective. Um, and then, yeah, just TJ Eisenhart, really, for any other kind of social media, whether that be Strava or uh, Facebook. Um, and then if anybody's interested in any of my artwork or, you know, having hiring me for a commission piece or buying a piece, just send me a message. I'm constantly doing doing that. So it's funny. People will message me be like, hey, I'm interested about having you do a commission piece. You, do you do that often? I'm like, every day, <laughs> every day. So... Uh, yeah, no, thanks again. Really appreciate it. That's amazing. We'll make sure we link to all of that in the show notes. TJ Eisenhart, thank you again so much for being on the show. Thanks. And that was another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Boundless Body Radio.